Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Denver Broncos. This is the Broncos Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary and Broncos Wire editor, John Heath. Hey there, and welcome into our Week 15 episode for the regular season. Uh, friendly reminder to all our listeners to hit that subscribe button for us. We do appreciate you. Just search the Broncos Wire. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever is best. John, how you doing, man? It was it was a tough week. It was a tough week for, you know, even coming off a win, it was a tough week for Broncos country uh, with the news of Demarius Thomas passing away unexpectedly. Anytime we get news like this, John, it, it kind of floors you, but kind of makes you appreciate your own life a little bit or what you have. It makes you appreciate it when you think about Demarius Thomas, the fact that he's only 33 years old. You know, he had his whole life after football ahead of him. Uh, it's just so sad. Uh, you know, so even on a victory, you know, kind of a victory week for us, uh, this was a tough one for Broncos country, right? This was, uh, there's no getting around that. We're all, we're all kind of thinking about Demarius Thomas this past week and, and his family. Yeah, it was truly heartbreaking, but I I love the way the team, the very first play of the game against the Lions, they came out with 10 players. They did not have an ex-wide receiver to kind of honor that uh, Demarius Thomas was the missing man for their first play of the drive, and then uh, they got a delay a game for it because they didn't run a play with 10 men on the field, and then I was kind of getting teary-eyed, and then the Lions declined the delay a game penalty, and then I really started crying. First class, I, right? I just, First class all it, the way around. Yeah, so, so classy. Like, it, it would have been terrible had the Lions not declined it, but just I thought that was so classy that they did that, and I thought it was such a, a very, very good tribute from the Broncos. I guess the Broncos had reached out to the Lions uh, before the game, and they had talked about it, and the Lions said they would decline it. So I just thought that was so classy from the Lions and such a, a good gesture from the Broncos. Like, it really got uh, it got me crying before the game even started. And then the players, they obviously had the 88 stickers, and they had the 88 logo on the sideline. And the players, obviously, after some of their big plays, they went over to it and kind of paid their respects to Thomas. And even before the game, uh, the Broncos had a memorial to Thomas and Peyton Manning and his kids and um, others paid their respects to Thomas at the memorial before the game. So I thought the team did a really nice job, uh, you know, honoring him and recognizing him. And, and they played well, too, obviously, which was um, great to see. But it was just it was so tough. And like you said, it makes you think like not just about Thomas, the football player, because he was such a great football player. But when you see. Uh, like all the fans and all his teammates and, you know, coaches and media members, uh, people tweeting about him or just sharing statements about him. Like, of course, uh, the football is mentioned because he was he was an amazing football player. But what stands out to me is all of them, all of them bring up how uh, how good of a person he was and how he was always smiling and how he was so soft spoken and so kind and so humble. And like, I don't think it's just saying it because he's passed away. I think it's truly genuine. I think he touched so many people's lives and he was so good with kids. There's so many pictures and videos of him hanging out with um, teammates, kids like pushing around Marshall Manning in the laundry basket and the locker room. There's just so many stuff like that. Uh, It just, it it makes me think like that's the kind of person that like I want to be that when people talk about, they, they think about and talk about, how kind he is, how soft-spoken, how soft-spoken he is, and how he's always smiling. 
and he just uh he had such a rough childhood the beginning of his life was so tough and you know it could have been easy for someone to have a an early life like that to be bitter about it and be angry about it but he wants it he was so grateful and humble as he grew up and became such a successful person he he deleted his Twitter account uh, a little while back, but back I remember when he was playing with the Broncos, he was on Twitter and just about every day he would tweet like blessed to see another day. And like he, he meant that, like he truly appreciated life. And now it's just like, wow, like it really hits you and make you think just, just 30 years old. Like, do I even like, do I appreciate that? You know, every day when you get a new day, like, it, this is serious. Like we can't take life for granted and you know, we can't take our loved ones for granted either. Like your family, people that you love, like tell them you love them and tell them that you appreciate them and, you know, check in on them because you never know what people are going through. And we just, we don't know how long we're going to have, you know, with anyone like th- this was so unexpected. Um, so it's just, we all love DT a lot. We're all obviously going to really miss him. And, you know, I'm, praying and thinking about his family like I hope they're doing okay because like as as Broncos fans it hit us so hard you know I can only imagine what it was like for his family so um yeah we're we're gonna miss Thomas and you know it's not just the like uh, like I said it's not just the player like he obviously was an amazing player but just how good of a person he was and it you know it just inspires me makes me think like you know like that's the kind of person I want to be no, 100%. Like, I'm not in the, you know, I'm not in Broncos country. I'm out in New England. So I probably only got a snippet of Thomas. It was mostly Thomas, the football player. He was in, he was with New England for a very short amount of time. I think he spent a preseason with the Patriots. He was eventually cut recently. But, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't really know how he was off the field. And everything about him off the field has been like first class, you know, just like so genuine. Sounds like a, he was an amazing guy. And I agree with you 100%, John. Like, I got a two-month-old kid. Like, you see uh, you see news like this, how young Demarius Thomas was, and he just – it does. It makes you appreciate what, what you have, and you have to. And, and uh, yeah, I all the way around, the fans, uh, the team, the Lions, the players, everybody, were, it was just a first class the way they handled everything. I thought Sunday was handled very, very well. And yeah, you, you said it. Like, you got Justin Simmons. You know, an interception takes him out of bounds right at number 88. It, it looked like it was just so natural the way he ran out of bounds. He was right there, mm-hmm. puts the ball on the number 88. Guys kind of come around him. It almost was like that was pre-planned. It wasn't, obviously. It was the, the play took him there. We were talking before we hit record. The last drive of the game, 14 plays, 88 yards, and a touchdown for the Broncos. Like You can't write this stuff. 88 yards, mm-hmm. you can't write that. You know, so, I mean, it's hard not to feel the spiritual impact if you're into that kind of thing. I mean, that was there. I mean... I, I, this is probably really corny, but you know, it's like DT helped the Broncos win one more game. I think that's what it was. I mean, they were, they were. It, it's not like the Lions are a great team or anything, but the Broncos were inspired, and there was something in that. There was something in that building, uh, a mile high on Sunday. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I think they were definitely inspired. Uh, their kicker Brandon McManus, he obviously wears number eight, and he scored eight points, and he had eight eight cleats on his cleats and he was named uh AFC special teams player of the week. So that's just another uh, 88 thing. It, it was pretty neat to see them have that kind of a game after that. And it's just, we love Thomas and we're going to miss him. And, you know, it's very clear uh, how big of an impact he had on fans, not just on the football field, but off the football field in the community and just the example that he set. So, you know, I, I'm very grateful to him for that. 
And before we move on to other Broncos topics here on the show, and we will, I want to ask you, John, what your favorite Demarius Thomas football moment was. And I'm going to I'm gonna start by just giving you the most obvious one because I'll never forget the 2011 playoffs because I'm a Patriots fan. And Patriots fans were rooting so hard for Denver in that game against Pittsburgh, the Steelers. They were kind of a wagon at that point, right? They had won 12 games that season. They had Ben Roethlisberger in his prime, Antonio Brown in his prime. Like That was a scary team, that Steelers team. And then here comes Tim Tebow and the Broncos, a team that was just so easy to root for. Uh, and I promise you, hundreds of thousands and uh, wherever you want to go with this number, there were so many Patriots fans going nuts right, or lo- right alongside with Broncos country when Tim Tebow hit Demarius Thomas for that iconic 80-yard touchdown pass with, you know, Demarius coming across the field left to right. And I, you, you forget, and probably Broncos fans probably don't forget, but it was the first play overtime, right? First throw, first snap, Demarius Thomas gone, 80 yards touchdown. Uh, just a great moment, one I'll never forget, you know, as a, a younger football fan and a Patriots fan. We were all rooting for Denver to win because we wanted you in the second round, John. Uh, and I'll never forget uh, Tebow throwing that pass to Thomas and Thomas running away from the defense. It was an all-timer, uh, and I still see it. I still remember sitting on my couch and watching that and going crazy. Uh, it was awesome. But what 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 do you what will you remember? What's your favorite DT moment? Yeah, that nothing tops that overtime play. You know, but before the Peyton Manning era, that was like one of the best Broncos plays since like they won the Super Bowls in the 1990s. Nothing tops that. But uh, other plays that pop into my mind, I remember when he was a rookie going up against Darrell Revis, and I, I think it was still Kyle Orton at the time. Tebow hadn't gotten the job yet, and he just like threw a fade to him, and DT like went over Darrell Revis and caught a touchdown. And it wasn't like washed up Darrell Revis. Like he was still a lockdown corner. And, you know, it's a rookie, Demarius Thomas, just like, okay, wow, this is – exciting to see from a rookie and i remember later in his career against the chiefs he went up and had a one-handed catch for a touchdown against the chiefs he had another one-handed catch i I can't think off the top of my head who it was against but he was such a talent there were so many times when they did get peyton manning they would throw him a screen at or behind the line of scrimmage and he'd take it like 50 yards for a touchdown like against the cardinals i think he did that twice in the same game i think against the uh i think it was actually against the steelers too um it may have even been the the week one season opener he took like on the very first play of the game it was like an 80 yard screen or something it's just so many times just a short little bubble screen he took it all the way he just Peyton Manning said he never played with someone as big, um, as strong and talented of a receiver as Thomas. And, you know, Manning had some good receivers, so it's high praise from him. It's just there's that that Steelers overtime play, nothing tops that because that just the the stakes, you know, being in the playoffs, we're all nervous because the Broncos kind of had a lead and then they kind of blew it to even send the game into overtime. So, you know, kind of nervous, like, oh, no, are we going to lose in overtime after we had a lead? And then just the very first play of the game, like you said, he Tebow hits him and then Thomas does all the work. Like so many times in his career, you know, Peyton Manning is no scrub of a quarterback, but so many times Thomas did all the work for Manning and helped him pad his stats. So it's just he was he was so good um, with yards after the catch. Yeah, it took about 20 minutes for the ball to leave Tebow's hand, but he finally got it out on time, the TT, and he did the rest. Uh, that was awesome. Yeah, no, Peyton Manning. He loved Demarius Thomas. He couldn't wait to get a receiver like that. He was throwing to Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison, those guys. Right? Those guys, they don't get hit. They don't do contested catches, right? 
that was Thomas's specialty, man. Now, so it's it's fun remembering him. I'm I'm sure we will uh, throughout the rest of the season. Uh, there was definitely something extra for the Broncos there on Sunday, and uh, they played with a lot of heart. They got a big win over the Lions. That means they're still in this thing, John. So we'll pick away at other topics around the team, including uh, where are the Broncos in this in this playoff hunt? They're right there. Got a big game against the Bengals. We'll cover all that and more right after this. This is the Typical Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for Week 15. The fantasy football playoffs are upon us in most formats, so let's dive right in. Quarterback Tua Tonga-Vailoa, Miami Dolphins versus New York Jets. First of all, the Jets have picked off a league low four passes in 2021, and the position has averaged 15.6% more points per game than average in the last five weeks when facing this defense. Tua comes off his bye with a COVID-riddled backfield that could lead to extra passing attempts. The Dolphins are healthy enough at wide receiver and tight end, though, and feature a promising rookie in Jalen Waddle to give the Jets trouble. Tonga Vailoa went for 22.3 fantasy points in the Week 11 meeting, which was his best performance in the last five weeks. Sony Michelle, Los Angeles Rams versus Seattle Seahawks. This one's a little bit dicey just because of the situation. Running back Daryl Henderson has a thigh injury and was also placed on the COVID list last week, and he's uncertain for Week 15. Michelle has a strong matchup ahead and could be relied upon even more if Odell Beckham Jr. cannot clear the COVID protocols as well. In the last five weeks, running backs have averaged 34.2% more fantasy points per game versus Seattle than the league average. Both Henderson and Michelle scored in the Week 5 meeting, and the position has produced six different 20-plus point performances against this defense since that contest. Wide receiver Marquise Brown, Baltimore Ravens versus Green Bay Packers. Ever since tallying 116 yards on nine catches against the Vikings, Brown has averaged 46 yards on six receptions and no touchdowns in the last four. That's just 7.7 yards per catch. Not good. His speed could be an issue for the Packers, though, as they have allowed receptions for touchdowns of 79 yards, 54 yards, 46 yards, and 54 yards just in the last two games. And two of those came on short passes. There's some upside here with Brown Sunday, regardless of whether it's Lamar Jackson or Tyler Huntley throwing his way. Tight end Ricky Seals-Jones, Washington football team at Philadelphia Eagles. Seals-Jones returned from injury last week only to stink up the joint with one catch on his four-target performance. The Eagles have been exceptionally generous to tight ends in 2021, and no team has given up more catches, yards, or scores to the position. That's the triple crown in fantasy football matchups. If there's such thing as a get-right game for a career backup, this would have to be it. Quarterback Taylor Heineke's knee injury is worth monitoring, but he is expected to play. In your pursuit of a championship, be sure to check out thehuddle.com for more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, information, and advice. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-522. 4700 in Colorado. All right, we're back here on the Broncos Wire podcast. And John, you uh, you had an interesting tweet and post about Melvin Gordon deserving more respect. So I just want to I just want to give you the floor, but first I'm going to read an hilarious quote by Melvin Gordon, right? <laughs> he says, quote, I'd love to be here. He's talking about his future in Denver. I want to be here. But I don't think many people want me here. He's laughing with the media, right, as he says this. He goes, as far as the fans, man, I've just seen a lot of stuff. And I understand. I understand. I get it. But I love it here. Love the fans regardless of the hate right now. I think it's mostly because of fantasy, honestly. The fantasy football, man, 
it gets people a little tight in the rear end. So, all right, I I now love, I'm now a Melvin Gordon fan after this quote. This is like so perfect. It's a hundred percent for him. He gets the one hundred emoji, right? Melvin Gordon just nailed it with this quote. Uh, but I'm gonna give you the floor, right? You you've been kind of you've been speaking out this week about how Melvin Gordon doesn't get the respect that he deserves. So I'm gonna give you the floor. Go ahead. Well, yeah, and honestly, like I'm saying. Fans haven't given res- uh, respect, but you know I fall in that category. Like I've, I've not been given. Like I remember last season with Philip Lindsay, I was frustrating in saying that they should be featuring Philip Lindsay and not featuring Melvin Gordon. And uh, at, to some extent, I think it was justified because he has had some fumble issues. But he's been on a real nice run of games lately where he he has been fumble free. And now that I say that, I'll probably jinx him and I'll probably fumble now. But Lately, he's been holding on to the ball well. So I think we need to give him some some credit for being a good productive back for the Broncos. Like he has 19 touchdowns with the Broncos. Like he has a nose for the goal line. And at least like this decent stretch of games, like he's been nice and productive for him. And and last year, like I think a big part of it was, you know, Phil Lindsay is the hometown guy. Everybody loves him. Like I love Phil Lindsay. And then this veteran comes in who has a contract that maybe we think is a little higher than the Broncos should be paying him. And then he's taken away carries from our favorite hometown kid and then on top of that they ship out the hometown kid so then people are mad about that and it's like okay but that's not Gordon's fault like he's not the one that gave himself that contract he's not the one that got rid of Phil Lindsay and then I think on top of that then this year they use a hot they trade up in the second round to get a running back Javante Williams who we all love He he has a very bright future he's a very exciting player and then he's take first he takes away our home town kid touches now he's taken away our promising young rookie touches and i think from like a fantasy perspective i do this too like if you look at the one week when gordon was out with injury uh williams he almost had 200 yards and this past week they almost combined for 200 yards and they combined for like four rushing or four total touchdowns one of them was a catch but and you can't help from like a fantasy perspective to think like if they only had one workhorse running back like what a monster game that would be so i think fans and fantasy managers see that and they get mad and they're like the broncos need to get rid of melvin gordon and they need to feature only javante williams I can understand fans that want that, but like me and you talking about it is different than being in like Gordon's mentions on Twitter, like tagging him. Like they need to get rid of this bum at Melvin Gordon. He's not any good. He's washed up. Like that's not okay. And like certainly not being like celebrating when he's getting hurt. Like the week when he was out and the Broncos started Javante Williams, like I was excited to see what Javante Williams could do, but I wasn't saying like, uh, Oh yes. Great news. Like when, uh, you know, Adam Schefter, whoever, like, tweets the news that Melvin Gordon's not going to play. Like, you, we can't be celebrating a player's injury. You, we can't be in a player's mention, like, getting on him because we want our favorite young back to be featured. So that that's what I was getting at. Like, leave Melvin Gordon alone. Like, he's not the one that gave him that contract. He's not the one that got rid of Philip Lindsay. Like, we're all excited about Javante Williams, but lately Melvin Gordon has been very good. Like this duo is working out really well. Like what you see someone like Christian McCaffrey with the Panthers, they feature him, feature for him, feature him. And they kind of run him into the ground and he's had so many injuries. And even Alvin Kamara with the saints, they feature him, feature him, feature him. His body broke down a little bit. He missed some time. He got banged up. And I think they wanted such a priority to take some of the load off of him 
they went out and traded to bring back Mark Ingram because they knew we have to have a running back. We have to take some of the relief off our star guy. So I think just in today's NFL, you want to have two good backs because you don't want to just wear one guy out. So I think from the Broncos perspective, from a real life perspective, you know, it's a great plan when you have two good running backs, it, it keeps them both fresh. It's just from fantasy, of course, you'd rather have one guy getting all the touches. So I, I thought it was so funny when he said people get a uh, tight in the rear end about it. Um, so I, I completely understand what he means, though. Yeah, tight in the rear end for for us insufferable fantasy football players, and I'm myself included. I have Javante Williams in in the league I care about, so we're all insufferable. But I'm not in his mentions. Like people that would actually tweet mean things about Melvin Gordon and and tag him in it about their fantasy football That's team. That's terrible. Come on, guys, come on. Uh, so yeah, in real life, do we do we hate Melvin Gordon? Would we welcome him back? Yeah, sure. I would welcome Melvin Gordon back, right? Just not as the starter, right? I, I'd like I'd like it to switch next year. I'd like the uh, ascending talent, Javante Williams, who's proven to be the better back, I think. I'd like him to get, you know, to be the 1A to the 1B if you want to split the, split them up, make it maybe 60-40. And Melvin Gordon would also have to take a, a pay cut. And then, and then I'm on. I'm on board. I'm on board. But, you know, Gordon's cap hit this season. You mentioned this, John, you know, when you were talking about, you know, his, his contract compared to Philip Lindsay. His cap hit this season, $8.9 million is the third highest in the NFL among running backs. It's yep. only Derrick Henry and Saquon Barkley are ahead of him in cap hit. It's Melvin Gordon's not quite worth that, right? He's a good back. He's good back, and he is forming a very good tandem with uh, with Javante Williams, but he's probably overpaid, and if he comes back to the Broncos, I would just want him to be the you know the backup and take a lot less money, maybe maybe half of that, maybe $4 million a year or something. You know what I mean? Like He'd have to take a a significant pay cut for me to to want to welcome him back from a team standpoint. Will he do that? That's an interesting question. Who knows? Yeah, and I think that's a lot of the fans that are not happy about the situation. I think it primarily is that, like right off the bat, he just came in with such a big contract that a lot of fans didn't think was justified. And like you said, if they brought him back on like a one-year deal for $4 million, like I wouldn't be mad about that. Me either. But I also – I would – I, I don't know if I would necessarily want it though, because he's going to be pushing four years or 30 years old and say you get him for like 4 million for a one year deal. You could get a running back and like the third or the fourth round of the draft and have this young, fresh running back to spell Javante Williams for the next four seasons for about what you would pay Melvin Gordon for one year alone. And if you go and get like an Aaron Rodgers or you get a Russell Wilson and you know, they're taking like 25 million or like 30 million, like who knows, like, they're going to have, if you get a star quarterback like that, they're going to have a massive salary cap hit. So every little bit of salary cap space is going to add up next year. So, you know, I'm not opposed to just the idea in general of Gordon coming back, but I think it'd have to be like a big time, big time pay cut. And I, you know, I wouldn't be mad if they just add a running back in the draft who's more cost effective, so long as, you know, they get a nice guy that can. Spell And also, they do also have Mike Boone, who they do like. And every time, he barely played offense with the Vikings because when you have Talvin Cook and Alexander Madison, you're not going to get a lot of touches. But in the rare times when both those guys were banged up, Mike Boone was productive. And when uh, Melvin Gordon missed a game and Mike Boone, he, he was just there. He was just a relief guy for Javante Williams. But every time he touched the ball, he's productive. I think he averaged like 10 yards a touch. And obviously, the more you get, that average is going to go down. That's not sustainable. But it's just, you know, Mike Boone, he is competent. And if you add someone in the draft, I think they would be just fine with Javante Williams leading the way. But 
I agree with you. If they do get him to sign a reduced contract extension next year, I would like to see Javante Williams kind of flip roles and be a little more of the featured guy and Gordon be like the 40 guy to Williams 60, but we'll see how, how it pans out. That We'll get into it more as the off season gets closer. Yeah. I like your take about maybe drafting another uh, running back. I mean, r- rookie running backs have been hot this year. Javante Williams is producing. Najee Harris is producing. He's getting a ton of touches in Pittsburgh. Even guys like Elijah Mitchell over in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. He's, he's been, been so good. He's been great. He was a six-round pick, I think. I think the Patriots took Ramadre Stevenson in the fourth round. He's been good. Yep. So You can find value. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe that would be a way to go. But, yeah, no, I would I would happily welcome Melvin Gordon back at the right price next year, just just not at these crazy, uh, this crazy cap number. All right, Russell Wilson came out and downplayed all the trade speculation. That was back in the news that he would welcome a trade to three teams and the Broncos continue to be on his short list. Uh, And I'm just going to read you a quote. Um, Obviously, I love Seattle, Wilson said. This is a place that I've loved every day, every moment. I love this place. I love the space. I love where my mind's at. I love where our team's at. And for me, this is what I I really live by this philosophy, John. The more words, the bigger the lie. And I just think, you know, (laughs) I love where our team's at. Like Russ. You're five and eight. You're five and eight. You don't love where your team's at. And I love this place. I love the space. It sounds like he's like writing a poem or something. I, I don't know what Russ is talking about, but I don't believe him. I think Wilson to Denver is very much in play, even though Wilson's shooting it down. Yeah, I think you're saying it's like he's writing a poem. I think it's a little bit because it's Russell Wilson's personality. That's just the way he is. Yeah. But I, I agree that I don't buy it. I don't buy it at all. It, it very well may be that he's telling the truth, but I don't believe him because I think you know when you're in the middle of a season, we're not even the middle. We're getting towards the end of the season. But you know the season's still going on. He's not going to come out and say, yeah, I want out. Like He's not going to do that. No. Well, you know, so I think he's just being tactful. He's being respectful. And he probably, you know, he probably does love Seattle. But, you know, if he could go to an exciting team with an exciting core and get a nice big contract and, you know, have a change of scenery, like I don't think he would necessarily be opposed to that, especially because I always go back to this past offseason when his agent was like, my client has not asked for a trade. But if he were traded, he would accept a trade to here and here and here. <laughs> and it's like, perfect? OK, it's like, dude, if you're agent is telling us where you would be willing to go to clearly you haven't ruled out the possibility of leaving so when he's 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 shooting this stuff down i think that's just because he has to because you know he's a he's a leader of the team you know he doesn't want to cause a distraction in season i think talk to me you know when the offseason comes around if wilson's still saying that then then i might believe a little bit more but right now i'm with you that i don't i'm not taking that as word at the moment I love this place. I love the space. I love where my mind's at. I love where our team's at, says Russ Wilson about his 5-8 and eight Seahawks. Yeah, right, Russ. I'm not, there's no way I'm buying that. Yeah, so Broncos fans, just, just keep that in the back of your mind. Wilson to Denver is still very much in play. And again, we would love, we'd much rather have that man than the insufferable Aaron Rodgers, who I think is still talking about his broken little pinky toe. I think he, he can't, and notice that Russell didn't talk about his broken finger at all in his presser, but Aaron Rodgers going on and on about his little pinky toe. Just a reminder that we want Russell Wilson more than we want Aaron Rodgers. Okay, moving on, John. We have an interesting little matchup against the Bengals coming up. Big for the playoff purposes and kind of fun. There's a fun little rookie showdown that's going to be taking place here. I want to get your thoughts on that right after this. This is the Typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. 
What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie, Nathan Beagle, to break down this week's Monday Night Football game between the Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears are getting three and a half points at home. The total's 43 and a half. I'm on the Chicago Bears getting three and a half points because Matt Nagy Chicago Bears are five and one straight up and four and two against the spread since he became head coach in 2018. Also, I think Chicago's running game will be able to help out their rookie quarterback, Justin Fields. Minnesota's defense has the second worst rushing success rate. I'm on the bank of the Bears getting three and a half at home. Nate, how do you play this game? So I'm on the over here. Justin Fields showed what he's capable of against a good Packers defense last week and Chicago's top 20 and four of their last six games. Also, Dalvin Cook ran over the Steelers and the Bears don't have a great rush defense. Give me the over 44 and a half points. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, John. Jamar Chase versus Pat Sertan. Two top 10 draft picks from this past year. Uh, that should be a lot of fun, huh? It doesn't get better than that. Definitely. And I think a lot of people, you know, Broncos fans, we love Javante Williams and we're biased and we think he should be offensive rookie of the year. But I think a lot of people will be putting Jamar Chase on their ballots. He's just been so exciting this year. And on defense, you know, if not for Micah Parsons having an insane season, I think Pat Sertan would be right up there for defensive rookie of the year. He he probably is going to finish in second place. I wouldn't be surprised if he does. But, you know, when you just have two exciting rookies like that, it's just – it's a really intriguing matchup to watch for. And they, they played, I think, only one time in college. And Chase had a pretty good game. He had like 140 yards and a touchdown. And that was back in like 2019. So I haven't gone back and watched the game. I probably should. But I don't remember how much Sertan was covering him. So at least against Alabama, uh, Jamar Chase had a big game. But, you know, just with how hot uh, Jamar Chase has been this season with how well Pat Sertan has been playing, uh, it's an old SEC rivalry renewed. So that that will be one to watch for sure. All right, so the Broncos are one-and-a-half-point favorites against these Bengals at home, John. And I looked it up. The home favorites have hit more often than not, which is which is not unusual. Home favorites have hit 59.5% of the time this year. Denver is what we would call a short home favorite, only needing to cover the one-and-a-half points. So are you buying or selling the Broncos to cover this one-and-a-half against the Bengals? I don't know because, honestly, when I saw that, I was honestly surprised that they are favorites. Even though they're playing at home, and even though the Bengals, I feel like they're kind of similar to the Broncos where they've been a little up and down. Like some weeks they look really sharp, and then some weeks they lose a game that you wouldn't expect them to. So in that way, I think they're similar to Denver, but just over. maybe it's just because I put a lot of stock into the quarterback, and I just think Joe Burrow versus Teddy Bridgewater, that may be influencing my thinking a lot. But just when I just think of them in general, I think the Bengals are a better team than Denver. So I just think, wow, the Broncos are favored against them. But like you said, it's only one and a half. They didn't spot them three-point favorites as the home team. So clearly they're not completely sold on them. But yeah, I I don't know. I really, in my Sports Weekly prediction, I did not pick the Broncos to win. I picked the Bengals to to beat them at home. And I guess now seeing the odds that that would be an upset. But I really, I don't really buy that it would be much of an upset because I think the Bengals defense, especially if uh, 
uh, Trey Hendrickson, if he's able to play this week, if his injury doesn't hold him out, like he's such a good pass rusher. If the Broncos, if the game is like close or the Broncos start to fall behind a little bit and Bridgewater's got to beat the Bengals with his arm, like we haven't really seen uh, Bridgewater do that this season. And the run game has been great. But playing the Bengals' run defense compared to playing the Lions' run defense like that is a big difference. Yeah. So if the Broncos aren't able to run it down their throat, I'm not confident in the offense at all. And the defense, you know, the defense playing really well. I'm happy about the defense, but like the Bengals, they've got a trio of very good wide receivers. Joe Mixon is a, a very good running back, and then obviously Joe Burrow. Like I, I like his long-term outlook, and even just at, right now, I think he's a pretty good quarterback. So I think, you know, even if the defense plays well and, you know, only allows like maybe three touchdowns, is your own offense going to score three touchdowns? Like I'm I'm not that confident that they will if the Bengals are able to slow down the run game at all. It, it really, I guess it does come down to quarterback. I'm just not confident that Bridgewater is going to lead the offense to score enough points against them. So I guess, no, I'm not picking the Broncos to cover that. Yeah, if you were, if you were in the room with me, John, and you're not because I'm recording this from the closet in my house and you could probably hear my two month old just screaming in the background <laughs> not exactly soundproof here uh but yeah if you were here with me i'd give you a big hug i mean that's that's exactly <laughs> what i wrote down i mean i'm selling this too i think the bengals are are just a tick better not much but they're a tick better right now and it's not only because of the quarterback but it's because of the quarterback's ability to get the ball down the field to their playmakers right i keep on i i'm on my soapbox i keep on hammering this john <laughs> right uh, the Broncos have proven incapable of getting the ball to their playmakers. It's it, even against the Lions. Uh, I thought that would be an easy matchup for them to like, I don't know, get Cortland Sutton the ball downfield or Jerry Judy or get these guys going. But it's all running backs and tight ends, right? That's all it is. That's all it is. And I just don't trust that the, the Broncos are going to be able to make enough plays if they're unable to uh, to just lean on that run game and that short passing game with the tight end. So I, I think the Bengals get a, a just a, tick for me because of that downfield passing game and ooh, is it good with joe burrow and those weapons man jamar chase it's it's tough so yeah i'm on the Bengals side of this i don't feel great about it but i'm on the Bengals side of it uh the total 43 and a half i looked this up a little bit looked up some analytics these are two of the nfl's top teams in time of possession percentage now, that sounds like a nerdy stat, doesn't it? But basically, you got a lot of good players on both offenses, good backs, and both defenses are also pretty good at limiting points, right? Denver's fourth in the NFL in opponents' points per play, and Cincy is 17th. So I think that's why the line is so low. Good running teams and also good defenses, right? So I think 43.5, yeah, I would lean under here. I think the stats tell us. Uh, that's a playable line, but what do you think? Yeah, I would lean under it. I'm right there with you. I think the Broncos, if everything goes well for them, they're running the ball, and that obviously eats up clock. And their defense, you know, the the key of their defense is they limit teams to a lot, a lot, not a lot of points. So, I agree. If I if I had to pick one or the other, I would be leaning under. And I just want to push back a little, Ryan, please, yeah. on on the uh, not distributing the ball enough last week against the Lions. In general this season, I'm right there with you. But last week, I think it just wasn't necessary. Right. They were running so it's well. La- but, but the thing is, when you face a team like the Bengals, that you can't run it down their throat, it is necessary. So I agree with you that it hasn't been good enough this season. And when you play a real team, you have to be able to do it, and Bridgewater just hasn't shown that he can do it well enough. Last week, I'm not mad about last week because they didn't need to, but in general, I do think it it's been a problem this year, and as they play good teams, 
it will it could hold them back because like this Bengals game this really could be their season because the Bengals they should be pretty comparable to denver like these two should, could should be pretty similar teams and they're both right there on the edge of the wild card so whoever wins this game obviously you're going to have a head-to-head tiebreaker to get a leg up in the wild card race so if denver doesn't win this their their wild card hopes might be just about over but if if they do win this at home and wouldn't be an upset because they're barely favorites but if they do win this at home they're setting themselves up to have a real shot to get a wild card spot yep no they're right there for sure and and yeah no i hear you i I understand they didn't have to throw it against the lions but for me john it's like when you play a team like the lions it's a good time to practice practice. (laughs) come on teddy just practice it throw give me a couple deep shots can you show me you can do it give me some confidence that down the stretch here you can hit you can hit a big play in the passing game so that's all that's that's what is it but yeah no i agree with you 100 percent. you don't you need to throw the ball against the freaking lions just run them over uh, so cool. So a pretty good show this week, John. Let's end it here because uh, you're right. Denver's right here in the playoff hunt. It's not over yet by any means. Uh, who who are you rooting for as a Broncos fan on Thursday night? Chiefs or Chargers? Let's end it there. I know not all Broncos fans will agree with this, but I think the best case scenario for Denver is for the Chiefs to win because if the Chargers win, Broncos fans might want that because they want to hold out hope the Broncos could win the division. But if the Chargers win, they pull away from the Broncos, not just in the division, but also in the wild card race. So I think the best case scenario is have the Chiefs win this game, have them pull ahead in the AFC West, have the Broncos pull closer to the Chargers, that the Broncos, they still get to play the Chargers again. So if you can beat the Chargers, then that evens you with the Chargers in the wild card race. And then say, if the Chiefs have the division locked up by week 18, when you're playing the Chiefs at home in Denver, maybe the Chiefs rest some of their starters. That obviously really helps helps Denver's chances get a win in the last game of the season. And maybe that's what puts them over the top to, to get a wild card spot. So I, I'm just not sold that Denver has a legitimate shot to win the AFC West. So even though, you know, it's tough to root for the Chiefs, and you don't like seeing them win the AFC West it yet again. Yeah, it is. But I think the best-case scenario for Denver is the Chiefs pull away in the division, and that gives the Broncos a chance to top the Chargers for a wild-card spot. Yeah, it's it, it's so much more fun to root for Herbert and the Chargers against <laughs> the Chiefs. But, <laughs> but I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I think it's time to let go of the division. The Chiefs are running away with it, and they're on fire, and their defense is just out of control right now. So what are you going to do? They're just, they're just sacking quarterbacks left and right, John. Can't stop the Chiefs. So, yeah, that'll be fun. That's a really cool little – that's a good little matchup. Chiefs-Chargers Thursday night, and then we got football on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So Christmas come early, man. Enjoy some football this Bring weekend, on right? the football. Yeah, pretty football. good. Yeah, I hope everybody enjoys it. For John Heath and Ryan O'Leary, we appreciate each and every one of our listeners. Hit subscribe for us if you haven't already, and we will talk to you next week. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.